and she was like, is that you? And she's like, because you, you see, like, she wasn't safe. And I was like, no, that's not me. I, I, I just like boys, that's not me. But I, I wish I, I could have been like, that is me. And that is not the only experience. What's up and welcome to Nacho's Cafe. This is your boy, Will, a.k.a. Nacho. And today is Talk About It Tuesday where me and a guest will sit and talk about it, whatever it is, and that's what we're talking about. You ready? What's up, and welcome to today's episode of Taco About It Tuesday with one of my co-hosts from the new upcoming show Authentic Self, Amari Watson, where she will be sharing with us her personal story of her own life's evolution. Mind you, where the discussion starts is in the middle of a convo her and I were having regarding an upcoming topic, now enjoy how do you know when this person is like the person you want to spend the rest of your life with and I'm just like I don't know because like we like there'd be days we'd be talking like literally talking about marriage and like future and then there'd be other days where it's just like I can't stand like being in a room with her is the last thing I want like right right I think those are the, the moments that actually can bring you together because one of my one other thing I, I learned so much after every relationship and my and I know I'm not perfect in any of my relationships that I've, I've had. And my my recent one is I need to stop with the assumptions because that poisons relationships and I need to actually speak and talk because I can't expect them to know what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. And you, you cannot be in a relationship when you're on a journey to find yourself now or have an idea. Because we all are on a, an endless journey with ourselves. We're, we're yeah. discovering ourselves, more things about ourselves. That's endless. But at least have an idea and at least love yourself. You know, love being inside this body. You know, yes, we have things we want to work on. You know, like, you know, I want to lose this weight or I want to gain weight or I want to get bulky. Whatever the case is that makes you want to look at yourself butt naked and be like, hmm yes we we made it you know Mm -hmm. but you have to at least have an idea at least because i feel like that helps because when you get in a relationship with someone and i'm sure you've had a relationship with someone who's trying to figure themselves out or trying in their self-driven where they don't know who they are and where they belong in this world and not this world but their world and i feel like when they have some type of idea i think it makes it less stressful for their environments around them, which means their partner won't be having to go through that with them. Now, it's good to have that support, but your partner is trying to do the best they can. They don't know your mind. They don't know exactly. the answers, you know? Exactly. And I feel like, and, and you're right, and I feel like that's one hurdle in this relationship that I don't necessarily have to face, which is a new experience for that's me great. because my partner, is- she's also trans. Uh So it's like she's new to her experience and her transition because it's only been about six months for her. Oh, wow. And it's I started in February 2011. So, oh, yeah. So you're more seasoned, at least like, you know, like roughly 10 years for me. That's amazing. Like I literally just hit my 10 year mark uh, with cities of 20. So I hit my 10 year mark about a week ago. So you have your understanding, at least like, you know, mm-hmm. like I understand and, what you're going through. And, and I am, but then at the same time, it's, it's also just like that experience for me is it's so far in the past. And 
my experience with my transition is like, going through that beginning stages. I, I, it's the only one that I've ever seen. Like yeah. a yeah. lot of my experience when it comes to the trans community or, or from my own firsthand experience, like I have um, a really great friend. She's, I don't know if you've seen that the TV show Pose. Like I know it's been like- oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So, and I, I come, and, and it's funny because I actually come from the ballroom scene, like from back in Indiana <gasps> and then come here. So it's like being here, my, my house mother here, she yeah, actually yeah. transitioned and she was the first person like that guided me through this so oh, it was awesome kind of like she was about a year into hers before I actually started going through mine and she took care of me basically oh, and like I said it, it's because of other people in my life that I've gotten to the point where I am so I feel like even as myself I feel privileged in my transition because yeah. a lot of the experiences that we're hearing and we're seeing on tv I haven't had those firsthand. Like I've never had to prostitute. I've never had to put myself in those type of situations where I'm like homeless, living on the streets, like mm-hmm. struggling to know where mm-hmm. my next meal is coming from, like mm-hmm. being on my meds, being able to present as myself mm-hmm. while living in the world. Like a lot of it has been other people taking, not necessarily taking care of me, but giving me a helping hand. So in the beginning when I first started in 2011 like it's so crazy just to think about my life here and how much it's grown because when it when I talk like tell people my story it for me it always starts from the beginning point of my transition and I think that's for just trans people in general a lot of the times because we get in this mindset of we were trying to get out of this persona this personality this this image of ourselves where we thought we were we had to be and it it, this like kind of shell and so steering away from that and trying to find ourselves while trying to have a circle of people that understand you while going through that it's hard Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times like I I I don't really think about my life prior to my transition and it's not something that I have a sense of shame of especially right. now right like, that may not have been easy to say like in the early years but definitely now it's not something I have shame in but I feel like for me I don't address it a lot because I feel like if I if that's what I focus on if that's what I, I shine a spotlight on mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. only thing people think about and that I feel like comes with my own dysphoria and the thing when it comes to gender dysphoria it it's not a set blueprint it's not like a set checklist it, it doesn't come in the same way for every person so for me my firsthand experience like when it comes to my gender dysphoria and how I present myself it comes from in in things as far as like people knowing about my story and not necessarily knowing about my story but knowing about my past prior to Mm -hmm. my transition because I feel like once they know that everything else after the fact is like secondhand or a minute that makes sense that makes sense you can meet Amari and know Amari and love me for who I am right right then when you hear okay, so what was your, like, what was your childhood like? Right. And I have to cross that boundary, go past 
2011 and like talked about okay what was it like growing up in a family setting or what was Mm -hmm. high school like things of that Mm -hmm. nature just like Mm -hmm. okay it's it it's not something that i have shame in talking about but it triggers my dysphoria in a sense where now that people hear this side of the story that's literally the only side of the coin that they're focused on right and yeah i i i don't understand how we by nature try and talk about looking forward not living in the past this is 2021 not 2020 but when you want to look at the whole picture when it comes to this particular this genre of people this category of people why are why are we as like just a community so focused on looking at their past right and not focusing on who the person is like their future their growth their potential and it's even just in the way like people talk about it like the focus of things like when I want when people ask me questions about my transition I want to hear things like what what were your struggles about like taking that first step and where were you at in life like what were things going on not so what was your name before yeah and it's just like when it when it comes to the person that's telling the story for me I feel like I'm giving information for one of, I'm like, I'm telling it for one of two things. I'm either like trying to give information to educate people or you, you want to have something to try and use against me or feel like you have some type of leverage or gossip that you can spread. And this is yeah. why y'all always hear me say the catch of it is like, I, I know everything about me before you knew it. So mm-hmm. whatever part of my story, whatever version that you hear of it, because there's always going to be more than more than one version of every story. You know, I, I can tell you my story and my interactions with people and those people can recall that moment impacting them compete, completely different. Like yeah. something completely different, whether it be something magnificent or minuscule. So for me, it's just like, why am I telling you this? Because ultimately you're gonna you're gonna tell this to someone else. Uh-huh. Like I understand that. I accept that fact. It's, it's the way information works, like the, the spread of information. Right. But why are you telling them? Yeah. Are you telling them to be like, oh my God, so this is what I found out about Amari. I didn't even know this. But like, or it's just like, are you hearing someone in a conversation making hateful derogatory statements and you come from a place of now education yes. from that firsthand experience? Like, right. well, no, because I, I have a friend, her name is Amari. And when it comes to the trans experience, this is what she educated me on. So yeah. From yeah. what you're saying, that doesn't make sense. And like, yeah. what are you trying to gather this information for? So that that's yeah. where I go. And when I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about my past. Let's talk about how I grew up and how I came up with my name and how I began my transition and things like, like that. It's It's because I want to educate people and I want people to understand that I am not a cookie cutter of what a trans experience is yeah it's it's not something that is so easily categorized Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. it is just being a lesbian or it is just being bisexual or it is just being gay or it is because those are those are sexual orientations this is like who I am as a person right exactly I always like even in conversations with people in the community I'm like for me, if, if if I had to change one thing 
about like an identity in this community or like an image of the community, I would have it be LGB and then either like hyphen or plus or a comma T because it's like, yeah, it is completely all, different. We're all a part of a community, but when you group it in as this different community, this community that is not the heteronormative or right. not what for hundreds of thousands of years of what society has been. Yeah. So it's it's kind of almost disrespecting people of this community. And I say that because there are people in the trans community who identify as heterosexual. Yes. So it's like when we hear topics and conversations in like politics and society about the LGBT community and how it's being impacted. And like it's there are a lot of people who may identify with the the T portion if it were like like brought up in its own topic like when it's just the trans community then that that may be more of like an identification point rather it being grouped in an understanding of your sexual orientation because that's not how you identify and that's one reason why there were so many like there there are more trans people in this world that any of us know about Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because there are a lot of people who have transitioned in life and gotten to a point of what we call being passable or stealth that they don't feel a need to out themselves or to voice what they've gone through because of how much light and attention that can bring and just having the ability to live what they feel is a normal life, mm-hmm. it, it it it's their right. Like they're that not their right. obligated. This isn't like a situation where we have to go around and sew the letter T's to our clothing. To like this is not that type of situation. Like right. this is not our time. So they don't have to do that. And when. It's just like, oh, well, this is just one group of people. I've, I, I, I don't agree with that. And there have been times where I've gotten into like, not necessarily arguments, but like heated debates when even people in the community, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. It feels like you're just like trying to cause more issues and and it's like that's that's not what it is. Yeah. yeah. So for my trans experience, it's like to know that so much of it is not what even has been considered the norm, I feel grateful. And so now when it comes to talking about it, it's easier. And so with my girlfriend going through it, it's easier to understand. Mm -hmm. But then there is also that, like, like I said, that just word commitment for me is just like, I don't know why I, I I'm not saying I'm like I'm a rolling stone, but it's like ever since I was little, just knowing that the only thing I've ever had to really worry about is myself and just had the freedom to mm-hmm. get up and go and not like be tied down or attached to anything. It, it's just <laughs> always been satisfying for me. And so I don't know if that's 
oh, I'm always trying to be ready to run from something or I'm always looking for the next adventure. But that's what it is. And but then now just with her, there's just so so many new experiences. Like and prior to us like actually getting together, because we were together all together, like like the little ons and offs through there, like roughly three years now, like three. That's significant. I'm sorry. That's not, yeah. that's not and nothing. That's it'll be, significant. It'll be three years in May. And I will say there's like a lot of just experiences that I've gone through with her as a person that I've never gone through with another person. So that if you would have asked me five, six years ago, would I ever go through the person? I would have looked at you like you were crazy because I felt like at that time, everything was together and I was in a good place. Much as it, like, there, I, I, it, it, it felt right, but it was still early in my transition. So I was still kind of young and ignorant myself. <laughs> and so, but now I'm just, just doing it. Not even because I felt obligated to but just because I, I just never wanted her to feel like that there was never anybody in her corner. And I say that because a lot of the, the like the stuff that we gone through, we weren't technically like together mm-hmm. in a relationship. Like, mm-hmm. So I've been in Arizona since like July, like roughly June, July-ish of 2009. So I've been here for some time. Yeah. I didn't start actually transitioning until February of 2011. So there was a solid two years I was here prior to. So before I moved here, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, I'm not born from in Indiana. I'm originally from Washington, D.C., East Coast, baby, Prince George County, Washington, uh, Prince George County, <laughs> freaking, but most of my life has been in Indiana, because we moved there when I was in, like, the fifth, sixth grade, mm-hmm. and lived there until I moved to Arizona, and I've been in Arizona ever since, so I, I haven't seen much, I haven't traveled much I've just always been like oh once I get somewhere I'm I'm here I I, I there's been times where I feel like I'm ready to get up and go but I've like <laughs> given myself excuses of why I haven't and excuses I don't know it's it's it, there's just because I've gone through so much here and every time I feel like I'm done I find something that's like okay maybe I just still have a little bit more growing a little bit more learning here to do so Back in Indy, like, it was just typical life. Uh, I grew up in single parent home. Mm-hmm. My mom, my two older sisters, my little brother. Uh, yeah, it was just like a normal life. And now the relationship I have with my mom, like, I feel like I understand her a lot better because thinking about it, I can't, like, especially prior to Indiana, because, like, I don't have a lot of memories from when I was in DC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I have memories from like bits and pieces, but not enough to tell you like 
Oh, I remember from my first steps at my grandma's house. Like, I can tell you memories and stuff. That'd be really good. (laughs) And so, like, most of that stuff, if I really am feeling curious, because I really want to know more, I'll talk to my older sister about. Yeah. But, like, I, I can remember times in D.C. where I, like, thinking about it now as an adult, like, that would have been a struggle. Like, I would have been considered, like, well, below the poverty line, like, just because of everything that we were going through. Like, I remember just always constantly having to move, and everywhere we moved, it got smaller. And then I remember, like, there was a period of time, like, we stayed in a shelter. Yeah. I I don't know if it was like just childhood stuff like as we got older like I started to walk out but like when I was sitting down talking to my mom but like yeah there was a time like we we definitely did we lived in a shelter and it was like we lived in a room and it was like the bed looked like it looked like a dresser Uh because it was like it was a bed and then you pull out and it was like another bed So I remember, like, stuff like that. And then from there, all I really remember is just, like, a lot of stuff in Indiana. And I feel like I don't really remember us having to, like, struggle or want for anything. And when I really sit and think about it and, like, just talking to my mom, I, like, as an adult, I feel like I just want to apologize to her for stuff I put her through because I, I, going through things and understanding things emotionally and having to go through loss and hard times and growth and figure out like ultimately if I, I, I have to be able to depend on myself and I've never had the responsibility of taking care of anybody else other than yes, putting no. myself in that position. <laughs> right. like, I said, like I did if I could get up and go, then I'm um, either me or me and my dog, then right. I I really didn't have any worries about anyone else. So when I would lose something, be it like a car or an apartment or nothing, I it didn't really impact anybody else but me and like my decisions didn't really have to get ran through anybody else but me and so I feel like being alone for so long and having so many gaps in my life over the years where I was just by myself it kind of got me stuck in this mindset that now being around people like I know that it can be a struggle living with people no matter who they are but I feel like a lot of the times it's me being the abrasive one and it's like it's just a Scorpio in me and stuff like that but I really feel like <laughs> it's because I'm I, I honestly I, I've never actually taught myself how to live and be close to people and it was always like thinking about it now it was just like a defense mechanism so I think with the moving and how much we were going through just like the transitioning from living in our home state to moving out to Indiana. And the reason why we moved out there is because my mom has a twin sister, like twins run strong in my family. Oh, wow. And my mom has a twin sister and she had gotten married and then um, her and her husband moved from DC out to Indiana. And it was just like 
my mom and my dad were divorced. Like they've been divorced since I was still in diapers, like a couple months in diapers. And even that was kind of rough for me because I'd never really, and like I said, I was a kid and not understanding and not having things explained to me and like being sheltered from so much. Like when I'm sitting here thinking back on my life, I'm just like, dang, like my mom, as just as a person went through so much emotionally in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And I can sit and think about times where like, I've really seen her just like, not broken, but hurt. Yeah. Like it's literally making me just thinking about it right now. It's making me terrible. Like I remember, I remember the first time I seen my mom just crying and I didn't know yeah, what was I, going on. Yeah. I didn't know like what was happening. Did she just get bad news? Like what have you? And I I I went in the room and I was like, what's wrong? And it, just the way she just shrugged it off, like it was just like something she was watching or something like something she just shrugged it off, like it, right. was, it wasn't nothing. And it's like now thinking back and just like in talks with her now, it's like I when I think about memories like that, it's like I can't remember what it was, but I don't like I don't remember being like there being no book. I don't remember her getting off the phone. I don't remember no TV. I just like that's just what I remember. So it's just like, but thinking about everything that she just went through because she was in the military she was in a a, to- a toxic relationship and <clears throat> I say toxic because my parents were like I don't know if they were like high school sweethearts but they met when they were super young mm-hmm. and they got married super young it's because my mom got pregnant with my older sister so they were together for a few years and then I had my second older sister Nitra and then me and Nitra were like uh, like two three years apart so by the time I came around like I said it, I, it was only a couple months after I was born that they like officially got divorced like hearing the stories from them wow. so by the time I'm old enough to like remember anything it's it, it's always been either memories at home with my mom or memories at my dad's when we went over there. And uh-huh. it's just been like, I've never seen a picture of my parents together. Like the only time I've ever seen a picture of them together was with my two older sisters. But after me, it was always either pictures Separate. of my sisters and my, me and my mom or my sisters and my dad. Mm -hmm. And for a while there, like, I really just blamed myself. Like one thing I I will say, like, I've always just had an imagination and I don't know how I come up with logic for stuff, but it makes sense to me. And it's just like, this is why I respect everybody, like the way they think, because I, I was like, for, like I have a thing about poles. Like I, I'm superstitious. I, I don't like splitting poles because my mentality behind it is, is like, what if we split this pole and 
Like, um, we don't know what's going on with the alignment. Like, there could be, like, a solar flare or something. And it's, like, a portal or something. Like, I believe there's more. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, not even just for movies. Like, I believe there's more out there than what we know about. And I was just oh, like, yeah. I believe. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I, I I sit and think about the future. And I was like, I wonder what, a, like, a thousand years from right, right now will be. Like, we, right. we, we considered a, the ancient species and, like, the... Right. It, it's just like like stuff like that just intrigues me. So I, I've always had just this overactive imagination, and I used to like I I was my own best friend. I used to talk to myself all the time. I had imaginary pets. I I, I there was just so much, and I would just wonder like what happened. Like, what, did I do something? Did I, like, come in the picture? And, like, all of a sudden, it just got mad because, like, the only thing I would ever remember is, like, when my parents would talk, they would argue. Because, like I said, they, by the time I, th- I actually start remembering, it's my parents have been divorced. My mom has already been remarried. My dad has been remarried to my stepmom. Um, I have a little brother, like, so they moved on from each other, but I just felt like it was just, just so negative all the yeah. time, just like when they interacted with each other. Jeez. And a lot of that spilt over on me just because at the time, like I, I resembled my dad a lot. And it was like just crazy because everything I felt like about my life, it, it was, I, I was meant to be like his extension his next version his like greatest achievement his mark mm-hmm. on the world his like what he left behind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was just so much to live up to because when my dad was younger before he got really religious like my dad my dad was fast like and I've I've never really sat and talked to him much about his dad but my my dad grew up in a single family home too. Like I remember my grandma, like my dad took care of her up until she passed away just because like that's all he had. Mm-hmm. And he had my uncle Dennis, but just like I knew it wasn't until he actually met my mom and then he had responsibility come along that he like got more focused. So when I was just like younger. I was like, I, I have so much to live up to, and it was just so stressful. And everything about me was just after him. My name, my nickname, everything was just like his his mini me. Mm-hmm. And it used to drive me insane. And it used to it used to get to my mom, and I realized how as a kid she would treat me differently than my older sisters and my little brother mm-hmm. and it it caused a lot of hostility between us but then it also it made me mad at my dad because I felt like I had so much to live up to but he was uh, never really around not mm-hmm. not because he was like a deadbeat dad or anything but it was just like he he's always been the type of person to sac- sacrifice himself for others like he's always loved being of service to others. And so when he took over the church and really, and like I said, I'm a preacher's kid. I remember I told you before, just living that. Yeah. And so growing up in that, 
when he took that over, I really realized how that life and even like his new family was his focus. And I realized now like that that's just what was his that was his daily life. Like I, I was no longer in his daily life. And I used to get mad because I felt replaced. Yeah. And when we would go out there and visit, I, 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 there was so much hostility between me and my stepmom because I felt like she treated her kids better than she treated us. And it was, it was just so much. And I, I, I realized I was just a really angry, like when I would sit, like I said, I had a wild imagination and it, it, it was good sometimes, but it, it also was bad. And yeah. I was a lot of times just a really angry kid. And it was because I didn't know how to express myself mm-hmm. and what I was feeling. And it was because when I would finally like, say something and I just like explode and let it out, it would always be invalidated in some kind of way. <laughs> and thinking about it now, if I had the words and I knew that, like, if I had the words right. and like had the tools, uh-huh. knew how to use them, all that back then, then I think it would have been a lot different with my mom, but not with my dad. And the reason I say that is because like fast forward to living in Indiana and like I said, we would see him when we go out there and visit. We used to go out there. And like, I remember me and my sisters used to take uh, the fucking um, Greyhounds. We used to Mm -hmm. change to Pennsylvania to go out to DC from Indiana. Like I remember that stuff as a kid, like making sure we stayed together and we didn't talk to strangers. Like we made sure we made our transfers and everything. And fast forward to now, it's just like, I'm a teenager and I don't talk to him as much except for when things aren't going good. Like my mom uses him as kind of like the the sheriff for the authority authority figure because like I said just that ideology of like this is what you have to live up to so it, it and that was instilled in me and I like I used to it used to get to me I had, I would have so much anxiety just like from having to sit here and like just know I have to talk to this man and mind yeah. you like I said, my, my dad was always really religious. He was never abusive. Like, yeah, we got disciplined when it was needed and like yeah. kids, but it wasn't like he was an alcoholic, abusive father. Like he, he never beat us like that. Like right. he was loving, supporting, encouraging. Like for the longest time in my head, my dad was a superhero. Yeah. And so I used to have anxiety because I'm like, oh my God, I'm just letting him down again. Like what's got going you. on? Yeah. So... I remember when I had first started coming out, it was funny because I don't know if you remember uh, fucking like Ricky Lake, yes. Jenny Jones, yes. all of them. Like, and I, I, I would secretly like watch them shows on the weekends when my mom was at work, when I would get home, <laughs> like, I would and that was my shit. And... I was like, I remember it vividly because when I realized that I liked guys and that meant I was gay, then I was like, oh my God, that's that, like, I, I 
am going to change the world. I am the first Black person to ever do this. No one's ever <laughs> seen. And then I, it was this episode of Jenny Jones. I will never forget this. It was this episode of Jenny Jones. This guy comes on there. They were cheerleaders. He was talking about his boyfriend. His it, like I don't remember what he was. He was just talking about his boyfriend, and he wow. was like how he was so stressful. Da, da, da. And so Jenny brings out his boyfriend, and his boyfriend is just this just tall, skinny black cheerleader. And I'm just like I was crushed. When I tell you, you took I my dream. I felt like I felt like he stole my thunder. Uh. I was so upset. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about it. Like, this was back in. Oh, man. I want to say. 19. <laughs> I was in Indiana. We moved there sixth grade. So, like, 1990s. Yeah. Somewhere right in that there. That sounds like, that sounds about right. So, I'm just like, oh, my God. And then thinking about it now, it's just like. Just as our culture, as our community, right. there, there right. wasn't a lot of right. education or mm-hmm. understanding on all levels about that. And mm-hmm. the idea of it was such a negative and derogatory and dirty thing. And parents would shy away and like shun and just own their kids versus trying to educate themselves right. and understand it. And it right. was like, and thinking about it, I, I, if I was exposed to more, I would have understood more and I wouldn't have had that idea. Like, okay, right. this is what this is. So I took it and I didn't tell anybody. And when I say I didn't tell anybody, I mean, I didn't tell anybody. I have memories of when we used to go freaking shopping because my mom worked at Walmart, not Walmart, Kmart. Mm-hmm. Kmart back in Kmart. Oh yeah, I don't know. I remember Kmart. Mm-hmm. She sure was like a store assistant manager or some shit. And we used to go shopping always there because we would always use her discount. Like for Christmas, it was to the point where Ooh. she was there for so long for Christmases. We used to go there and everybody gets a cart and we get like we gotta figure out what we want, put it all in the cart. It's gonna get put on layaway. And oh, layaway. Oh my gosh. We can't sit here and be selfish. We gotta get we gotta get stuff for ourselves, but we gotta get a couple of things for each other. So we actually getting gifts for each other. And we would just and then I would just like get mad because I would never get clothes. Like me and my brother would never get clothes, no clothes. And then <laughs> we get mad because we got all these toys but nothing to wear when they get right. clothes. So <laughs> that's actually a good lesson too. And it was like but I remember when we would go shopping for stuff, like the fucking Hanes packages. But I used to fucking take the little the little underwear models out of the package. I used to take them home and stuff them under my mattress. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, if I if I had a dime for every relationship I had in my head with a Hanes in your head, babe. I'm, <laughs> And it's, but it still didn't always fit because I, like, I used to talk to myself a lot and I was always uh, a heavier kid. Mm -hmm. And even as I got older, like, I got taller. It, like, it kind of evened out, but not always. And 
that was something that has always been there. Like I've always been insecure about my weight. And now at this point in my life, like I realize how my weight really plays into my dysphoria. Like that's one of the the bigger things when it mm-hmm. comes to people looking at me and like I feel like they're misgendering me or unid- like it, it's like I feel like it's because right. of my weight right. more than anything versus mm-hmm. me not presenting or me just like being my authentic self. Yeah. And as a kid, it used to be like everybody used to make fun of me. Like my family used to pick on me. I used to hate going to family reunions and home trips because I was I was the fat cousin that everybody picked on I was the cousin that everybody knew something about and I was just like I was special and I, I, like I said it was it was just a lack of education in our community because yeah. if people if it wasn't looked at as such a terrible thing then it would have been easier to come out to my family and I think all of those struggles younger really kind of shape my relationship with my family even though I'm like even though I'm so rooted in them and they are like they're my backbone and I like I love them so much I feel like being kids there was a lot of just like I wish it, it all I keep wanting to say is like I wish I knew what I knew now back then right, because right. I would express myself better Uh I wouldn't just like bottle so much in Uh so yeah when I finally this is like I said in elementary school when I'm doing this still in fucking the models out of the hands under a package so fast forward to freaking middle school and by this point I'm just like okay I like it. I, I feel like I know, but I'm not going to tell anybody because right. I'm still not ready. Yes, but that is really where, like, when I I can say when I was, um, I was seven, like seventh, eighth grade, um, because like, middle school for Indiana was sixth, seventh, eighth because. It was like middle school, um, elementary school, middle school, high school. It wasn't like in in one school how they do mm-hmm. in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So elementary was kindergarten through fifth grade, right? And right. then middle school was sixth, seventh, eighth, right? Same. And then high school was nine through twelve. So when I'm in middle school, like sixth, seventh grade, that's when I remember more the gender being the topic on my mind hmm. like I remember it when I was little <clears throat> I, I remember things I used to do when I was little like I remember when we used to go home and visit I used to play with like my grandmother's wigs and then like right around this time we used to go home a lot and, like I said, everybody used to make fun of my weight so I used to get made fun of because it already looked like I had a chest, like fast forward to just, I can grow them now, but it already looked <laughs> like I'd already had a chest right. and I, like, I used to talk to myself in the bathroom and I used to be like, bitch, you would be so pretty. Like, uh, re- and like, I used to make up fucking words I used to like I, I really used to talk to myself and I would literally lock myself in the bathroom 
hours for hours like early in the morning just talking to myself in the mirror I, I didn't really think about it so I just continued I am with obviously the concept of gay is like that that's what I am because that's all I know I, I didn't know what it meant to be trans I didn't know right what it meant to, to feel different. I didn't understand how to like, I didn't know how to like express or understand those thoughts and feelings and emotions that I've, I've been going through at different points in my childhood. So by the time I got to my freshman year in high school, so like ninth grade, that's when I'd actually gotten the confidence to start coming out to friends and it was because there was a party and I was like I'm gonna go to this party nobody's gonna know because this is when I started getting into the ballroom scene because uh-huh. I was like people aren't gonna know yeah. because I don't see people from my school here so the ones who are friends with the super flamboyant people who I know outside of here. I'm a tag along, but they're not going to know because I don't see nobody from my school here. Right. That was a lie. So I get in there. <laughs> so the next day in school, it was just like, I don't know. I finally felt like one of the cool kids because. I, like I said, I was always a heavier set kid, so struggling with being bullied all the time mm-hmm. in school to like not having the greatest home life. I, all I did was work. And like when I finally started working, especially in middle school, I mm-hmm. was like, that's all I wanted to do because it was my only escape. And I feel like now that's one reason like I, I give myself a lot of excuses to get out of things and to like to leave and travel and like take vacations or go visit my family. It's just like oh, I have the time built up. Okay. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take a week off. And I'm like, oh, but I do gotta come to work because they need me. Like I, <laughs> I can't take off work. Uh, I'm gonna lose hours. I'm gonna miss out on because I just like okay. I'm, I'm because I've never worked for, like, especially worked for Bank of America now and prior to, I've never worked for a company that gave its employees, like, holiday pay and uh-huh. sick pay and stuff like that. So if I wasn't working, then I was losing money. And right. I, don't, I didn't have anybody here in Arizona. So back in uh, high school, like, when I first started coming out, like, I went to this party. It was fun. Like, so... It, it finally felt good feeling like one of the cool kids and not the one that everybody was talking about. Cause I, I struggle, like I said, I struggle with my weight. I, I used to hate wearing the fucking the little muscle shirts. They, they used to call them like the wife beaters. I used to hate uh-huh. wearing those under my shirt because people would be like, you have a bra? I'm like, and it was just like that. Yeah. That used to kill me. And it was just like, I was so insecure. Like, I would freaking be the last I would intentionally make myself late to gym like all through middle school I would literally 
intentionally make myself late to gym. I would make excuses why I ain't got no uniform. I would never dress just to get out right. of having to change in, right. the, in the locker room in front of people. And like between that and secretly checking out everybody in here, because I'm just like... <laughs> trying to keep your eyes right here. Just keep your eyes, keep your head yes. on the floor, you yes. know. And it's just like... <laughs> and like, to the point where when... It, like we used to do like a rotation in gym uh-huh. and this is how I knew I like I love volleyball because when we were actually in the gym part like when you were in gym you were doing like the president's fitness test like they would have like the indoor gym days where like you do basketball volleyball stuff like that you had like the track and field stuff or you had like for your PE class you were in swimming and I used to hate being in swimming because I like I I remember my first like dreams about guys ever being people from the swim team in high school. I used to like oh my god I would feel and now thinking about it it it, it I in those moments I never felt like I was just like this boy sitting in this locker room with all these guys like I I, I realize now I'm like <laughs> oh my god like, I'm just this girl sitting in this room with all these guys. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> And back then, I used to freaking hate, hate it. I would never, like, I wouldn't want to wear swim trunks. I would wear basketball shorts and a t-shirt to go swimming. Like, a full-on t-shirt. Like, shorts, like, to go swimming. And I would swim. It would, like, the air bubble would get caught under my shirt. I would struggle. I would flow. I couldn't. I couldn't. And it was just so embarrassing. And then to get out, it would just be, like, I look like I was in a wet t-shirt contest. It was, like, I was so uncomfortable. And when we would get to the fucking, the, uh, like, we had to do the track and field, like, the little loop. I would intentionally walk so I can get in trouble and they would send me to the office. I get detention. Like I, I, I would literally intentionally get myself in trouble in gym, except for when we were doing things like volleyball, just for the simple fact of like, that was the only thing I, I, I ever had a passion about. But everything else, I just felt so uncomfortable because it was just like, I felt like it was just geared to just like single me out and show everyone how I am not physically fit for this. I shouldn't be doing this. Fucking... I used to get asked about football all the time. Like my social studies teacher, my social studies teacher was like, so why aren't you playing football? This is when I was finally in fucking high school. Right, right. I was like, are they trying to find their best players? It's not for me. And he was like, what do you mean it's not for you? You're big and tall. You need to be out there blocking for us. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I don't. I ain't blocking. I'm trying to be open. (laughs) What are we doing (laughs) So and y'all smacking each other's asses like what? Smacking exactly. <laughs> like I, I literally went to practice all of a day and a half, and I was like, "Fuck this," and I left. So it was just like I, I hated middle school. I hated high school, and trying to find myself through all of that mm-hmm. with it being a struggle in every which way because my. 
ninth grade years is when I first started coming out to friends. So it's just like I went to this party, feel good. People at school know like I'm accepted. I don't know what it was about like our first two years of high school, but the thing to do was for the girls to be lesbians because I have a lot of high school friends now that are no longer lesbians. Like the studs back then or the studs now, like they <laughs> they were true to the end, but there's just a couple of girls and it's like you show is married with three kids right now, but I remember <laughs> when you was just a hardcore lesbian back in the ah, wow. and it's, like, it, it's just crazy to see the growth of people, but oh my gosh! So yeah. first, it was cool. I was like, ah, I'm just out. I can be just extra, da 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 da, and. I just thought I, I, that was just the image of what I, I was showing to be black and gay was like, that's mm-hmm. how I, I, I fell into the ballroom scene because I used to YouTube videos of Logan and like, and that's just what I like, if you, if you're black and you're gay, this is how you're supposed to be. And, it, and, and so then I was cool. And then my sophomore year is when I got in like, to the point where I'm actually going to try and actually have a relationship because up until this point I just knew I like I, I liked what I like I knew I liked guys I was like girls wasn't for me I'm, I'm right 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 so right. now I'm just like okay so I gotta be for real about this like I can't just <laughs> make up fake relationships I gotta okay, okay. it's no longer the Haynes package it is not <laughs> So I ended up getting into a relationship or what I thought was a relationship with this guy named Pierre. And it was such a bad experience because I didn't realize, like I was just a dumb kid looking for affection and I felt like because I was working and I had money, I, I'm a high school student. So my yeah. biggest expense is fucking gas in my car and paying my own phone bill because like right. I wanted to have my own phone. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in a real relationship. I used to buy this boy everything, like everything. And now realizing how I was just being used and when I found out I was just like so upset but what ended up happening was I had gotten one of his high school pictures because we took our it was like just a regular picture day and so I got one of his pictures and like I said I was so infatuated with him so I'd be like you want to see my boyfriend yes this is my boyfriend and I would just show people and a friend of mine actually worked with my cousin because my cousin was the manager at Arby's. So a friend <coughs> who I went to school with, she worked there and my cousin was her manager. So she goes to work after I'm sitting here gloating about this fucking picture of somebody who was just taking me for everything and just happens to be like, oh, your cousin's boyfriend is cute. And my cousin's like, boyfriend. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, your cousin's boyfriend was super cute. Ooh. My cousin calls me and it's so funny because like we, we were, I forget what we were talking about, but it, this is yeah. a conversation. She calls me and I am not 
answering the phone. Oh, but did you know? Did you have a feeling? I I had a feeling something was up. Oh no! Because like I I didn't answer it, and she left me a voicemail. Oh, sick. and she was like, "Hey, Ow. I just <laughs> I just I found something out, and like I just need to talk to you. I I didn't answer the phone at all. I was at work. I was like, oh. I'm not gonna answer this phone. I'm not answer that <laughs> so when I finally talked to her and I was like, yeah, it's true. She was like, okay. Yeah, I kind of I knew. I kind of knew. Yeah. I, yeah. And I was like, okay, we good. Why didn't you tell me? Good. Could have let me know. So I started doing my my family one at a time. I remember calling my sisters and coming out to them and they were just like, oh, okay. And it it was good. It came out to my extended families, came out to it, except my mom. She was the last one, right? Yeah. And yeah, I wasn't the one who actually told her. Same here. <laughs> My aunt ended Ooh. up telling her. Uh. And so when we talked about it, like it wasn't like a calm conversation. It was just like an argument. So I boarded it out out of anger. Like she, we were already arguing. Like, like I said, I've already, we had just growing up, there was so much tension and mm-hmm. I, I was an angry kid. So it was just an argument. And I just brought it out in an argument. And I think it was more because she was upset that she was the last one to know. And how she found out her her knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, okay, this is you. We gonna call your dad. Now what? You, you really, this is you, you, you doing this? You, you gonna tell him. And I was like, <laughs> Literally, did I know she already told him. Oh. <clears throat> so by the time I got on the phone with him, all I hear is like, hey, what's going on? You good? You okay? You sick? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm so hyped up from this argument. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. And the like, I just looking at it and how things unfolded I really see how like I took my mom for granted Hmm. and I gave my dad way too much credit Hmm. because he was like like I remember him saying are you sick? And I was like, no, I'm good. He's like, well, are, are you sure you got to be sick? Because mom, your mom is telling me you, you said you like boys. And I, 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 I don't know. But that was all I could think about doing. <laughs> and so it didn't actually get to me the way that she was expecting it to. So it kind of like 
escalated. Days kind of just like progressed, uh-huh. and having conversations with my mom and like being able to talk, and even her tell me now that she just didn't know, like she didn't know what I was going through. She didn't know like how to express what she was feeling and her understanding right. of like it 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 makes it more understandable now but just like in the moment obviously as a kid like I didn't realize and so after a few days like she would just do stuff and I remember she had me watch this Hallmark Lifetime movie and I wish I I wish I didn't choke and I wish I would have just been like yes yes that's me she had me watch this it was, I, I wish I could find the movie now because I really want to know let you know what the title of it is it was about this little Hispanic kid and he was trans and so it showed her how she had grown up uh-huh. and uh, transitioned and then it shown her going to this party and pretty much getting beaten and raped because they were trying to figure out what she was. And wow. and she was like, is that you? And she's like, because you, you see, like, she wasn't safe. And I was like, no, that's not me. I, I, I just like boys. That's not me. But I, I wish I, I could have been like, that is me, and that is not the only experience. Right, it doesn't always have to end that way. But that's the only that is That is my first experience of seeing something of a trans person. And I think for me, for that being my first experience, it really kind of made it so much harder for me to finally live my truth and get to this point. Because after that, like we got really distant and she ended up putting me out. And the way it happened was, I was working and I was coming home from work. I had a shitty 97 Ford Explorer. I bought it from some people out in like Richmond, Indiana. And what happened was I was getting it hauled back because it wasn't running. I had to get it fixed, but I paid like all my money just to to get it and to get it hauled Mm -hmm. up to Indianapolis. The guy who loaded it on the, um, the, the, the truck for the tow truck loaded it on backwards so we're driving and the car is facing backwards yeah and i was sitting in it i was so excited because i was sitting in it and it had a sunroof and i was playing with the sunroof when i was sitting in it before the tow truck had gotten there and i don't know if it was because i didn't lock it or it, I left it up, but at some point in us driving, because the the truck was facing backwards, of course. instead of the wind going against the sunroof like it should have, 
it was going underneath it and uh, it ended up blowing it off and it broke off the sunroof. So when I got there, like when we got home, this is like an hour and something drive. When we got there, he lets the truck down. I get in it and I realize I don't have a sunroof anymore. But I, I didn't have any money to like pay right. to get it fixed, and my mom everything. didn't pay for it, so I didn't have a sunroof. And when she ended up uh, putting me out, like it still wouldn't fix at this point, and I was in rain in this sunroof, oh. driving to from school in snow and hail, all of it, because I was in the Midwest. I was in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. So. She put me out and she like really kind of got to me because she kind of did the color purple, not like until you do right by me, everything. But she was just like, I'm worried about you because you are never going to be successful. You're not going to have anything of value because you're like this. And I was like, okay. Uh. So the pretty much the rest of my junior year, because at this point I'm a junior in high school, the rest of my junior year and the beginning portion of my senior year, I was living pretty much out of my car. And with a co-worker at the time. Um, and the shitty part about it was I was living with this co-worker, I was working in Subway been working this subway for years at this point and I was paying her and her boyfriend to live there with them and when I say these people were like disgusting like they were hoarders uh, like they trash everywhere didn't do dishes you literally couldn't see the floor so like I'm paying to live with them because I have nowhere to go. I'm still trying right. to go to school. And I come home one day and fucking notice on the door. They gone. Nowhere to be found. They hadn't been paying rent. They'd been what? saving up. You were paying them? I was paying them, but they oh. weren't paying the rent. And they were saving up to fucking so, move back to Ohio. Oh my gosh. None the wiser. Oh man. Fucking I was just like devastated and the first time I ever got into an accident and this is like why I have a fear of driving in the rain to this day because I was crossfaded like I had a really really bad drinking problem all through high school like what? all three years of high school I, I had a really bad drinking problem it was to the point where like I, if I came to school with something, either like a water bottle, like a tumbler or like a, like a Powerade bottle or something that wasn't sealed or I didn't buy it at the school cafeteria, I, I was drinking. Like my, my cousin had knee surgery and so he had oxys and I used to make two bottles and he would have his pills and we would literally take a pill in the morning and we have our bottle throughout the day and we had lunch for a period together and we would see who can make it and that's how we knew we won because uh, one of us wouldn't make it to lunch so we'd fall asleep somewhere because like we oh my uh, God. i fucking i was selling weed brownies in high school 
because I was working, like, after I started working at Subway, I was working at the Cold Stone Creamery, so I used to make weed mm. brownies at work. Like, I was doing, I was weakness doing right so there. much shit. But, yeah, I was living out of my truck for a while. And so when I found that out, that I'm, like, pretty much ain't got nowhere to go, I was trying to go to a party, and I was driving, and I was turning, going to make the light, and somebody was coming through, and we T-boned. Mm. So they hit me on the passenger side, and I skid and hit, like, I popped up on the corner of the sidewalk, and I hit a light pole on the driver's side. First car accident I ever been in was in the rain. This is why to this day I hate driving in the rain. Yeah, yeah. And I was just freaking out. So I call my sister. My sister, my older sister comes and gets me. Like I was like, oh my God, I have weed in the car. I'm in so much trouble. And I my sister. And, like, I never realized how much she used to take care of us. Like, because my mom, like I said, she was in the military. So when she was gone a lot, we would stay with relatives. But ultimately, Mike, my sister was taking care of us. So yeah, my sister fucking lied to the police. <laughs> she told them I was going to one hospital, told the ambulance to take me to another hospital. And got there fucking... Uh, they checked me out, made sure I, I wasn't bleeding anything, discharged me, and she took me home. <laughs> Legit, I, I probably would have ended up going to jail. Oh my Had she never done that. Yeah. So she takes me back to this apartment I have like a week to get out of. I go there. I'm sore as hell. I go to sleep on the couch. I wake up. I go to work the next day. And there's this lady. Like, I love her to death. She's like my second mom. I, I, to this day, I talk to her. I call her my mom. She was a customer at Subway. Her name is Charmin Keys. You can find her on my Facebook. Just like, she the reason why I love light-skinned people because she's just pretty <laughs> light-skinned, just love the cheese. She <laughs> was a customer at Subway. And she used to come in, get the same thing. She always get a foot-long cold cut. And she like to toast it with mustard on there. And I used to always complain because I hate mustard. And I, she just came in after football because she played women's football at the time. And she just knew, like, I just wasn't my my chatty talking self. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, like, made her fool. We went outside, started talking. I told her everything. And I just broke down. And she was like, okay, so you know you're coming to stay with me, right? But I'm, I'm not going to force you. You need to ask if you want it. And I asked her, I was like, can I come stay with you, please? I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, and she was like, yeah. It was me, her, her son at one point, but uh, her other godson. It was mainly me, her, her other godson, and her actual biological son would come from time to time. But it was the three of us. We stayed in a one-bedroom apartment. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment for the rest of 
my junior year and all of my senior year. And she's literally the reason why I graduated high school. Ah, that's great. I never, that's probably the one time I feel like I have never had so much just like freedom and just growth and loving and understanding and support with structure. Yeah. Like she's really the reason why I like I try to stay responsible. Like I will always pay my my rent first and my car payment first because it will if I ain't got a roof over my head, if I can't afford my rent, my car payment is still paid and I still have my car. Like I she's the reason why I I make sure I stay on top of things like that. And it was like after that, my last few months of my senior year finally got on my feet I moved out from her house I moved in with friends and I tried getting into another relationship so I'm at like 19 at this point so I'm getting ready to graduate because I like the the school system in Indiana was different than DC so I actually had ended up going a year back so I graduated when I was 19 Mm -hmm. and at this point I'm like I'm good I have a job I go to school, I'm about to graduate, I'm going to try and get another relationship. (sighs) Not a good idea. That by far was probably the most toxic and abusive relationship I've ever been in. You got to have one of those. And there was just red flags from the very beginning, like very beginning, like he slept with well he didn't sleep with my brother he made out with my brother and had my brother lie to me about it and like it not even that he had him lie to me about it he was like oh I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you don't tell and a week went by and my brother's like I can't he so yeah like it was just horrible we used to get in fights like we went from living with friends to like my our friends were downsizing so I was like well I can't really afford my own place right now and I can't get emancipated because my mom will sign to get me emancipated which is why I really can't afford to get my own place right now because I can't put it in my own name Mm -hmm. so when I finally was just like good like good good I, I didn't need her to sign for anything I was of age, I could actually finally get my own place, got an apartment, moved him in. Worst thing I could have ever done. Oh boy. Ever done. Like everyone in my life was trying to get me away from this person. And every time it would get toxic and abusive, I would leave just to go back because like I never felt validated I didn't know what it felt like to be loved mm-hmm. and this is like the first relationship that I'm like I'm out about and everybody knows and this is first person I introduced to my family like I could like when we get off here I'm, a, I'm I kid you not I'm gonna send you pictures because I have pictures on my phone when I was just going through uh like prior to transition of when we were together and this was like just the worst relationship and when it finally got to it like to a point where I realized I was no longer myself. Like I was stealing, I was lying, I was wow. doing all yeah. this other shit just to fucking try and 
to make this person love me. Like this person cost me jobs because I used to steal from my job. Like I, I worked at a fucking grocery store and I used to fucking change prices on shit and steal shit left and right because I was like, I don't have anything to eat. But if I don't feed this person, this person is going to leave me. Uh, and yeah, yeah. So, so it was just like, was struggling. Here's your everything. And when I was finally done, like I was in school, I was going to culinary school at the time. And I was like, I'm done. Done with this person. I can't leave. I can't keep going back. I can't keep bringing them here. Like I can't keep doing this. I came home from school. Checking the mail, we had just finished fighting, like just literally finished fighting, like really fighting. It's like I'm done, can't do this anymore. Checking the mail, and you can see the scar right here on my forehead, right there. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing here at the mailbox. I turn, and he's standing here on the steps. And like I said, I was in culinary school. He went in my knife bag. And he had a, one of my knives from school, and he was like, if you're not going to be with me, you're not going to be with nobody. When I tell you I literally had to fight this boy for my life, I had to fight for my life. Like, we're standing here in the hallway of my building fucking fighting while he's swinging a knife, and oh he swings it, and it just hits my face and I had a hat on I got a face at the time so I had a hat on it cut through this hat like butter and all I see is just red running down my eye and fucking I all every time I see it and I, I you could still feel it it's red it's all like there were times I'm just like if it literally if it wasn't up here and he was just down like another couple inches I I would have to I'd be jumping like this is how I lost my left eye Oh my gosh. Like, and from there, I ended up losing the apartment, lost my car, and I ended up moving in with my sister. And so I stayed with her for about a year. And my brother, Kevin, like my best friend in the world, he was going to GCU at the time. Like, we had graduated high school. I took like I this this year I'm living with my sister. I took off because I just graduated high school. So I'm taking a year off. He was going to GCU and he comes back to Indiana and he was like, I need you to help me get out to Arizona. Like help me drive myself out to Arizona. I was like, okay. So I, I wasn't doing anything. I didn't care. I didn't have nothing holding me down. Didn't have a job, nothing. I packed up a book bag. And I was like, come on, let's go. We going to Arizona. I'm going to help you drive. We drove a two-door Cavalier. Mind you, I'm 6'3". Like, I'm a tall girl. I ain't short. <laughs> we drove a two-door Cavalier from Indianapolis, Indiana to Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. Non-stop. The only time we would stop is for fucking gas to go to the bathroom. Non-stop. 25 hours straight through. And I freaking came out here for the first time, was out here for a few days. And I was like, 
yeah, I'm gonna stay out here. Like I like it out here. I first time I seen a palm tree was when I came out here. Really? Yes. First time I first time I seen a palm tree in wow. was when that's, I came wow. out that's here crazy. to Arizona. And I, you don't realize that's a thing and you know exactly. you have it. You know, so I, like I, we were in the car. It was funny because like we were in the car. I was living like when I first moved here, we were living with his boyfriend. Um, we were sitting in his boyfriend's couch and we were out there in Tempe off of Priest in Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. So Guadalupe. We were driving. Um, we were on, I guess it was the 202. Like now I know my freeways. We were on the 202. And when we got out, we're going to the streets. And it's the middle of summer here. I'm wondering, like, why are people outside? It's not raining. But I'm seeing people with, like, umbrellas. <laughs> Didn't think anything about it because we driving in the windows up the AC on. Like, why are people out here with umbrellas? When I took, I, I opened the car door. I felt like I felt like I walked into a wall of heat. Like I felt like it was like yeah. one of those little push pin things. Like yeah. push and make like a little shit. I Woo. felt like that's what my body did. I I it was a hundred and like nineteen. Yeah, I remember those tips. <laughs> and I was like, I see why they was walking out with fucking umbrellas. Exactly. Like I see why. But I I was just here and I hadn't seen, I haven't seen a mountain in real life before I moved here. Like I've seen hills because the East coast is like a lot of hills and everything. But mm-hmm. I, I was just like in awe when I first moved here, like I was here for a week and I was like, yeah, I'll be back. So I flew home, packed up some more stuff, flew back. And I've been in Arizona ever since. And I was back in, like I said, June, July, 2009. Wow. Been here ever since. So then in 2010, my brother ended up like deciding I don't want to be in Arizona anymore. I want to be in Florida. Like his boyfriend and him broke up because toxic relationship. Oh, he wants to live and move in Florida. And he had this guy. His name was Jeff. He wasn't a sugar daddy, but he was like a sugar daddy. <laughs> and the only reason I say that is because he took care of my brother, uh-huh. but my brother didn't have to do anything. Like this guy worked gotcha. for freaking uh, Microsoft, and the way him oh, and my yeah, brother money. met, my brother was trying to hook up with them. My brother was younger at the time; he's always been in the older guys. Mm-hmm. So he went over there to hook up with this guy, and then get over there and freaking freaks out, and comes clean about not being old enough. And then the guy was just like, "You know, we don't have to do anything; we can just sit here and talk." Like 10, 20 years later, he like, they're still friends. He still helps my brother out. My he doesn't wow. take care of him in the same in the same manner as he does now. But uh-huh. yeah, like back then, like that's how I, we flew. He would pay for our tickets. We'd use his wow. miles because he had all the business miles. Like just for he, company. He freaking got our apartment for us. Like he was paying our rent. Mind you, he still lived in Indiana. And he put all of our expenses, like he set all the shit up. We faxed him all the documents. He filled it out, paid our rent for us while we got on our feet, everything. And so my brother was like, well, I don't want to live in Arizona anymore. I want to live in uh, Florida. Uh And he was like, well, (laughs) since you know, like I'm leaving, obviously like Jeff's not going to pay for everything anymore because I'm leaving. I was like, yeah. Right. And secretly, I'm pissed because I'm like, 
You just moved me out here. Right. I've been out here literally a year. And now you just tired of it and you want to leave. But I don't have that luxury because I don't have somebody paying for me and taking care of me. And I just started school. I can't Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. pay out of state tuition and then stop school, still owe my financial aid for here, and then run to another state and start paying more out-of-state tuition. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work for me. I don't have somebody to take care of me like that. So my brother left, and we didn't talk for a good two, three years because I was like, wow. mad. I was yeah. so angry, and I was so hurt. And then he kind of felt the same way in the start of my transition because like, I, thinking about it, I realized how selfish I was being. Like, I didn't respect the people that were going through a loss in the beginning. But I was mad when he first left. I, I was mad as hell. Like, hashtag diary of mad black woman because <laughs> I, I was angry. Like, I'm in Arizona. I literally have nobody. I know right. nobody except right. for the handful of friends that I met through him. And that, um, making a roommate with like a mutual friend that we had met but I was mad I was like you just left me and this is when like a lot of the drinking had came back up and it was just really bad like it got to the point where I I couldn't function sober like Apple juice and vodka was my coffee. I I would get drunk and I would fucking mess up at work because by this time I'm still working at Subway. I I started working for one out here. That was my first job in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And by the time I'm a store manager, I'm fucking drunk, fucking missing shipments, not opening the store on time to fucking get the cleaning crew in i wouldn't make it there on time i used to have to walk to fucking the bank to get change yes i did everything and i was just mad because i was like i'm just out here struggling i'm depressed i ain't got nobody to talk to i ain't got nobody who know me none of that so i end up getting into another relationship. Uh, It was my first relationship out here. And it actually really helped me. Like, he really shown me, like, the opposite of what I previously experienced. Because up Mm -hmm. until this point, it was just the two experiences back in Indiana. Both were, like, horrible experiences. Mm -hmm. So it was really different. And it got super serious, super quick. Um, Cause he had just moved out here from Chicago. So he was still staying with his friends and then we ended up moving in together. And I was the manager of the subway. So I ended up giving him a job. So we were just together all the time. And it was just like, but something still didn't feel right. Like I was still, like I said, I was drinking like a fish still. Like even though I have somebody there, I'm still like not happy. Yeah. And it finally just like gets to a point where I lose my job. Like I was messing up so much. I just got let go. Um, And we ended up having to move in with a friend of his 
out here and it was just like super bad super super bad so this is like right around I'd say like the middle of 2010 and while we're living with her it's just like I tried going to school and this is when I start having more just questions about who I am start coming up like this is really when I wanted to kind of try and tackle this topic but yeah it was hard because now my new dilemma is it's like I'm in this relationship right right. and prior to like actually going through my transition like I, I was only talking relationship so I'm just like how can I be this person but ex- explain how I'm feeling because like I said I'm tall like I, 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 I have this build to me that people like expect this this macho this super right. like the average black persona to come out and it was just like not working so we ended up downsizing we went from living with his friend to like having a huge falling out because she was really just slacking on her responsibilities. So we downsized and just got a little one bedroom. And it was just like stressful because he was the only person I was around. And it was hard because he was happy, but I'm just putting on a front. Wow, yeah. And he ended up having to move back to Illinois because his dad had gotten sick. But Mm -hmm. just before that happened, Uh it was Halloween and my birthday is October. I'm October 25th. So it was just after my birthday. And we had made friends with like the neighbors and the um, the apartments around us because like we were just super close. So Mm -hmm. I used to talk um, to one of the girls like she's one of my closest friends now and I used to be like I would be a pretty ass girl like I'm gonna do it for Halloween I'm gonna do it because I would be a pretty ass bitch and so then he's like okay we're gonna do it together and it was just like no I want to do it (laughs) (laughs) okay we're going okay this is this is our Halloween costume okay and that that was the first time I actually would say I experienced like a, tr- a moment in my transition or like my first trans moment uh-huh. and I was just like okay yeah 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 you felt like you were actually wearing your skin and so then after that it was like I don't know how I was gonna like express it. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like I felt bad because at that time it was just like it kind of was a saving grace that his father had gotten sick and he had to leave because then it was just easier, like, oh well, since you leave him, we gotta break up anyway. And since we we had to break up anyway, yeah, I got yeah. something I gotta tell you. And so I was like, Yeah, this is what I'm gonna go through. 
and I was so excited. I went and got my nails done for the first time, and I they were horrible because <laughs> I didn't go to the shop. I went to my neighbor. She lived oh. right downstairs, and they was just like these big old, just thick. They, she didn't like sand it down right. It was uneven. Oh, they had these funky little flowers. And it was just like a hot pink, but I was just like, I got them done. I swapped out my wallet. Like I was just trying to do stuff to like yeah. put it out there. I got a I got a quick weave, like with the glue and everything. I, I can send you, I swear, I'm gonna send you pictures on Facebook. Yes, I, yes, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm gonna send you so many pictures. It's gonna be funny. Like the very beginning of my transition and everything and it was just like I thought I was like the shit I thought I was cute as hell <laughs> can't tell you nothing <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> and so then at the time I wasn't working and my unemployment had just ran out so I ended up getting evicted but I didn't have anywhere to put my stuff Ooh. so I was like I don't know what I'm going to do. And what I ended up doing was I, I was just climbing my apartment at night and just stayed there at night. Wow. I, sure I put a penny in the window. In the front window, I put a penny in the window so it looked like it was closed all the way. So they went in and changed the lock, which was fine because I was just hanging out at another, um, another apartment with friends. And then once the office was closed, all I had to do was go in there, slide the window open, and I was in there. And then I ended up eventually getting caught. Of course. <laughs> they had they they had security on the property. So I eventually got caught and I really uh. didn't get it out. But I was staying with friends. And then from there, I was really just couch hopping, like seeing where people would like, let me. And I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do because like I said my house mother um when I first started here by this point she had already started her transition and when I told her she was like okay I'm gonna make sure you're good so that way you're not out here making mistakes and putting yourself at risk <laughs> and like the first I'd say like year two years being on meds, I was completely on meds off the books. Like I didn't go to no doctor. I ain't get no. I, I didn't have blood records. I didn't have nothing yeah. like that. I will go over her house because uh-huh. she she had her prescription. It wasn't like she was just buying them from anybody. We, right. And she would actually give me her prescription. Like she, the way she would do awesome. it is that she didn't have insurance. She would have to pay out of pocket for her meds and she would just go to a couple of different places and stock up uh-huh. and she would give the girls their shots, give them their spirolactone. She would charge everybody, but she didn't charge me. Uh-huh. I was a kid. And like my first, like I said, first two years being on meds, I was on meds faithfully and didn't have to pay for them. And nor did I have to like run the risk of somebody right pumping me full of like vegetable oil or fix the flap or shit like that because there are a lot of those negative experiences from people who in the early like early stages of this community like have gone through and it's still around today 
And so it was just like, if it wasn't for her, then I really wouldn't have had such a smooth experience in the beginning. Wow. Because between her doing that and then, like I said, seeing with friends where I could, I was going to school for accounting at GCC at the time. Like I finished, I'd started off for medical billing and coding. And I was like, I, I can't be cooped up in an office. I was in an internship. Um, I was in school, like I said, I still had a really bad drinking problem I used to struggle with. Mm-hmm. I was in an internship, my externship for medical building and coding. I was amazing. It was me and one other person from my school. And I I, I was flawless. I knew I was going to start working here. I was great until I started drinking again. And there was one day, like, I knew I should have just, like, I, I'm not feeling it. I shouldn't go in. I was already late. Da, da, da. And I was like, I'm just going. I went in. I was drunk as hell like it was seeping out my pores like they uh, so like I, I, I wasn't even there 30 minutes before it was like you can go ahead and go call my school and ask me not to come back I went to the school like a couple days later because I just like I didn't know what to do I was like I, I was doing so good and all of a sudden this happened so I went to the school but I lied I was like I was going through something. I had a friend back home in Indiana that just passed away. I didn't know how to grieve. I was just drinking and I didn't know I was already late. And she was like, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have went. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So that was that experience. And so I was like, I I need to figure out what I'm going to do. So I started going for accounting over here at Gateway Community College. And just getting out of the relationship, just losing my place and starting school, I'm like, okay, I could really just like go all out on this transition thing. And I did. And I got to a point where I would have like rules for myself. Like I couldn't talk to people in public. Like I couldn't have a a whole conversation because eventually they was going to hear my voice and tell and like I couldn't go nowhere if I didn't have makeup on I couldn't go nowhere if I didn't have a wig on because I didn't have hair at the time it was like super short mm-hmm. and I, I I couldn't go to public restrooms like I all these things because I was so terrified right and I was going to school and it was easier at school because I was like at least I know I'm safe here in a sense where like if something happens to me on campus, I can go to the administrative office. Like right. I don't care if I'm being misgendered, but if somebody harasses me or hurts me on campus, they have rules against that in this exactly. institution. So I'm good. And I remember my college orientation course, like where they have like it's like the course that they have you to take to make like, build good study habits and things like that just learn about college and just like um the teacher I had for that like she was so she was just so personable and she basically took this whole course to tell us about herself but in bits and pieces like she would tell us about her life but she wouldn't give us like the full story yeah and so the last, like, our fucking final was a presentation about herself, uh, ourselves, and she was like, she's going to give us an example, 
And when she did, like by the end of her talking, I was bawling because wow. she started off like this class just talking about, oh, her two daughters is talking about her family, da 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 And ended it with telling us, like, mind you, we were invested in her at this point. Her story, huh? Like, yeah. She had told us about how she had came out. She was with her current partner for three years, the struggle of going through the divorce, uh-huh. then coming out to her kids and everything. And I, by the, I was bawling because she was the only person that knew because since my name wasn't legally changed, what I did was I made sure I was early to all my classes. And I was like... Just so you know, I know this is what it says on your roster. Yeah, yeah. But call me. (laughs) This is what you call. Right, right. And so she didn't nobody know but her. And when she, like, actually went through that, I was, like, in tears. And it actually made me tell my story and come out to people. And it, for me, one thing I will say, like, I had a certain privilege with my transition just because I've always had a certain level of possibility. Like it was never a struggle for me. It was a struggle when it would cause me unwanted attention. And in the beginning, not knowing how to address or process that attention and then not knowing how to react because in the beginning, like, it feature wise like I still had a lot of masculine features in my body structure mm-hmm. and it was harder to talk to people and, and, and like to feel comfortable when people would invade my space and try and hit on me because I was just like I don't know I'm not right. used to that happening uh-huh. so for her to do that and then like when I came out to the class it was just like really empowering and so then I ended up um, having a falling out with my friend I was living with. So I, I had to drop out of school and I went from there to staying on somebody else's couch. And this is when my first experience with just like addiction and G had came in and just like methamphetamines and all that stuff. And it's funny because where I live now, I live on 16th Street in Roosevelt. Like, this all happened, this is back in, like, 2012 now at this point, um, right over on, like, 12th Street and Pierce, like, literally around the corner from here, and it was, it was hard to, like, express what I was feeling, mm-hmm. because a part of me was just, like, I kind of have to go along with it because this is the environment that I'm living in. So I can't really, really shame people. Like, I don't know what it means to be a tweaker. Like, I don't, I don't know about being up all night. All I know is like, I feel like I have a lot of energy and I'm not sleepy and I'm losing weight. So, and I know all of like the darker side of it. Mm -hmm. So, by this time I'm like two years into it and it was like my first experience going home and seeing my family after short of my transition and 
when I came out to them initially with my transition, it was almost like a knee-jerk reaction to kind of be on board with it and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, especially with my mom, because when coming out the first time and finding out didn't go so well. Yeah. Like, and it caused such a rift between me and my family that when we were back on board, like I'm doing it again now, it's just like, we don't want to lose this connection. So obviously we're going to be okay with it. Got it. Yeah. And nicely in a way. it, it kind of, I don't know. It 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 didn't sit right at first in the beginning, but at the same time, I was just like, okay, whether well, I'm bored with it, and that was just because, like, when I first started, like, when I first committed to it 100%, like after I um, got into this relationship and had already moved, like my first three four months, I went completely just dead on social media, and it was because I didn't want anybody to have like the opportunity, like. Oh no, that's not really you. Like right, having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's like here I am like, actually being around them for the first time, answering all these questions and but yet still trying to figure out myself. Mm-hmm. So it was a really awkward first experience. And it felt more forced because they hadn't been around for the first two years of it and I feel like that's one thing that me living in a different state has really kind of neglected them on is just seeing the process of it and experiencing it firsthand and now it's just like it's easier to have a relationship but I feel like it's not as close as it would have been had they have been through the entire process with me yeah so after that it was like I go out there have a reunion come back and now I'm just like I need to find a better space to live in and I was just like I ended up staying with friends up north in sunny slope and from there I started working in a group home and from there I finally moved into my own place mm-hmm. and then it was just like everything was good and I was just working and like I had my little family my little house my kids everything was good and then addiction came back at me because it was just like everything was good but everything wasn't perfect everything wasn't like cohesive so it was like it really caused me to lose a lot again like I lost a really good job I lost a lot of good friends a really nice place and I was just starting from scratch and one of the good things is it was kind of like in waves so I lost my apartment first so I ended up having to downsize and I lost a lot of really close people because of that Mm -hmm. and I was back to being alone again and from there it was just like I thought all I had to worry about was just like I said me and my dog if I I don't care about nothing else if it's just me and my dog (laughs) I'm dead 
And then I ended up running into my brother, like my brother that you seen like in here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was because there was this youth center I used to take my client to and he would go there. Um, like he lived right around the corner and I didn't realize like he was already going through his own stuff in life. And what ended up happening was it was like he was in a position where he was losing everything. And I don't know, I I'd never seen someone just so like felt like so unwanted, like to just be tossed aside by people you love and care about, and just like I, I, I I've honestly I've never seen anybody that broken, and I I just knew like okay, so you're coming to live with me, like right, we, right. We, we know that was going to happen, and same thing we were living in a fucking one bedroom apartment like the living room was his bedroom I had my room and he was like my rock like he honestly like me going through struggles like that was probably the first time in my adult life that I have gone through struggles with somebody and it was just like we were in it together it wasn't yeah. like me going through a loss by myself or me trying to figure it out it was like we were going through it together like there were times where I didn't have money to put money on the empire box and we would have to wait until after six where we could just like get free power through the night there right. were times where I didn't have money to fucking pay the gas bill so we didn't have hot water. We fucking take cold showers. Like there were times where all I had money for was to fucking get a thing of eggs and go to Jimmy John's because Jimmy John's sells their Dale bread for 50 cents. Uh-huh. So you can buy like their super long loaf of bread, the whole thing for 50 cents. And I can get like three, four of those and cut them up. And make like little French toast bites. Right, right. Like that's all we would eat. Like it, if it wasn't for him, I honestly I wouldn't even be here right now because when I started losing everything, like I said, at first I lost a really good place and some friends, and a downsized, and then I lost my job, and I was like, okay, we're good. Then I lost my car. And I was like, all right, what else am I going to lose? Like, I, I just couldn't do it. So I just felt defeated and I was just done. And I just took off. And I was just like fucking wandering and walking around. And I finally ended up coming back home. And I guess they were out looking for me, but there was nobody there for me. And I, I, I just didn't want to be here. Like to be completely honest, with you, I just did not want to be here. Mm-hmm. And I went in my room, and I took 
this really, like, I'll never forget it. It was this really cute, just polka dot rock dress. And I took off the, the ties from it, untied them together. And I fucking tried to hang myself in my closet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I was done. I was wow. defeated. I was tired. And I just wanted it to end. Yeah. And I just tried. And I kid you not, it went from me like fucking blacking out to me just like waking up and him standing over my body. Ugh. Like dead ass. It was the next morning. Like I went down there, I was fine. I was just like, I'm good. I it was a moment. I'm good. Da 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 da. That was a serious moment. Like she convinced me. I went down there. I was good. We hung out. We smoked. I went to her room. I went to sleep. And then she wakes me up to the fucking uh, EMT medics at the door with the bed. She then called and had them come get me while I was sleeping for a 72-hour watch after I tried to hang myself. Oof. And I, I wanted to be mad because I was like, I just told you I was fine. Like, what the fuck are they here for? I'm right. Oh. But it was like, whatever, I'm going to go. I remember, like I said, I was mad. I didn't want to talk to her and I felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. But when my brother Ethan came and visited me, like he was the only person in the whole 72 hours that came and seen me. Ugh. Like, wow. When he came and seen me, he was just so mad and so hurt. Like, why are you going to leave me? <laughs> yes. Like, why hey. would you leave me? Ugh. Dead ass. And I, 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 I really like, didn't feel like I mattered to right. anybody. Right. Like I said, I, I've been out here by myself. Mm-hmm. What that was 2014. So my brother left in 2010. So I've been out here like four years by myself at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was just like. Why would I feel like I matter like that much to anybody out here? Because these people out here, like they don't know me. Like they know me. They see me mm-hmm. when I first met here the first couple of years. They see me through the beginning of my transition, but they don't really know me because like we didn't grow up together. Like you don't know my struggles as a kid. You wasn't right, there. Right. And it it wasn't until like just seeing how much that upset him that I did that. And I was like, I I, I really matter to somebody here. Like, Ugh, even if it's just that one person is like, that's the reason. And it's like, ever since then, things have just slowly begun to get better because we ended up moving to like a little studio. Um, I ended up getting a better job. I started working. I went from working part-time at Family Dollar to work in for AT&T at this call center. Like, I really started to get on my feet and things started to get better. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was good for a couple of years. And then when 2017 came, that was when I, I started to go through loss again. So I got to live in the Philippines for like roughly three months, three, four months because of work. Mm-hmm. So I left the middle of December of 2016 and I didn't get back into the country until March of 2017. So that uh-huh. entire time I was living in Manila um, uh-huh. for work. But the reason I was out there is because they were closing our call center here and rewriting all the calls over there. So we were over there because like by this point, I went from like I went out with them. I went from being on the phones, the agent, all the way up to being a trainer. So that's wow. why I got to go there. And we were basically training all these people. Wow. Like our jobs. And it's not like I, I mean, I don't fault them for it. Like that was probably the greatest experience ever. Like to tell me that I was going to leave the country and live somewhere, like all expenses paid for work and meet such amazing people and do amazing things like travel. Like I have friends over there still to this day, four years later from doing that. And I still talk to them. And it's just like, before I actually, before going over there, I haven't seen anything prettier than that other than Arizona like that that's the only thing I've ever seen beat Arizona and then when I went over there like that I finally felt like such a small fish in this giant pond and I think that's kind of like really impacted my outlook on the world and just how I interact with people now just going through this but so that's all going on I'm in uh, another country I'm having a falling out with my roommate because I felt like he kind of just ditched me and he, cause I, I was living by myself. My brother ended up moving in with his girlfriend. So I was like, oh, okay. oh I'm going to move out to Mesa with the friend and end up saving. So he was going through a breakup with his fiance and I moved out there and things were good for a while. And then he ended up moving to California and I felt like he kind of just pawned his responsibility off on me. Like, wow (laughs) you you wanted me to be your roommate and then you move and now I have to pay for this townhouse but I'm paying for everything but you get to come and go as you please and it's still basically your place no that didn't didn't work for me so I ended up like I was like well I can't really pay everything because I'm I'm literally about to lose the country (laughs) like this this shit is real right right so and while I'm over there, like, I ended up having my um, my dog stay with my brother, and I was just, like, going through arguing with him on an 18-hour time difference out there trying to work, like, all this stuff. So yeah. I get back, and I'm back for maybe, like, three, four months, and... We're done working. Like I started working for CenturyLink at this point, and <laughs> CenturyLink. I remember that's all. Like, oh crap! Wow, CenturyLink. <laughs> and I freaking have to end up putting my dog down because he was older. 
he was what, 17 at this point, a little husky. Mm-hmm. And he started getting tumors. I know I love oh. I Miss Blaze so much. He's still my password for a lot of stuff. But he started getting tumors. Like he had a really bad one on his neck. He had uh, one on his foot and he had one on his eye. Uh, and he's in pain. Mm-hmm, and they were like, the only way that they could remove them all is, especially the one on the eye, that they would have to put him under completely. But because he's so old, yeah. if they put him under completely, there'd be a chance that. It, it, yeah. And they were like, so I was like, okay. So <sighs> just lost my job. Lost your baby. Lost my baby. And I started spiraling with addiction again. Uh. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was spiraling in 2017, 2018, ended up moving back up to Sunny Slope with the people I lived with in 2013 come to find out that entire time like I, that was a drug house too like everybody in there is using fucking so they end up moving a dealer in so I was like this entire oh, time boy. I, had, I had none the wiser this lady had kids living here her own child living here and like none of us knew she had us fooled for years none of us knew how bad she was using it how how much was going on in the house until like years later five years later me coming back and like moving here because i need help and actually seeing it so it was just like crazy and it got to me because i'm like i felt bad like when i told you i was using and you guilt tripped me and you like i it was just a horrible experience and like to feel so betrayed by a person, I was mad. And she's the one, she's not the one who called EMTs, is she? Mm-hmm. That's not the EMT one, right? She's not. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. I was about to say. No, 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 no. not her. Not, I was no. like, wait, hold me on. And Brittany, me and Brittany okay. still really good. No, it's not. Okay, her. okay, okay. But it was like, her name, um, lady, her name is fucking April. Okay. So April was like using and I got so mad that like I didn't even care anymore and I had a good job at this point like I I was good I was done with CenturyLink I ended up quitting there and I was just like struggling took some months off moved back in with her realized all this shit and I was mad and then just out of spite I was like I'm gonna get a job and I'm going to just save up and move the fuck out because all I'm doing is taking care of these people and I'm done with it. And I was like, and I ain't going to pay a dime because I took care of y'all for years. So I, mean, if you try, I, I was to the point where I was making a fucking a list of everything that I could do to just bring everybody in the house down if they tried to come for me out. I, I was outside fucking taking pictures of license plates and cars of the people who was coming to buy drugs. So like, just so you know, <laughs> like I don't care if I go down, but trust and believe I'm taking motherfuckers oh, with me. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I didn't care. And I was working at fucking PayPal. Like okay. Yes, I was working for PayPal. I only worked like four or five months. Because I'm sitting here living in this drug house, trying to go to work, 
being high as shit, strung out, going to uh, like the I, if they don't know what an addict looks like, if they didn't know what a tweaker was before, then they sure should caught me a couple times because I was not, I was out of it. And the fact that I faked it so well so long shows how much of a fucking functioning <laughs> addict I am. And they did, I, I was good. And the crazy thing is, like, even though I was struggling with my addiction while I was working there, I was still dealing with fucking shit because I was trans. And this is in 2018. So I've yes. been my transition like seven wow. years at this point. My name has been legally changed since 2014. So it's not like I'm going through the process of having to introduce or interview for me. Like it, I've been good for a while, but it was just this company was good on paper, but in real life, life couldn't really back up what they were talking about like you wow. can be a fortune 500 enterprise and say you you're great for the lgbt plus community and but, have know, all these benefits. But when people actually work there it's about the people who work there because mm-hmm. not everybody can leave their personal opinions about stuff at the door like some people some people may hate black people but you know what can sit here and smile and say hi to susan because they're getting paid for it but some people will see someone like me and just can't leave that type of feeling or opinion at the door mm-hmm. and <clears throat> i tried to bring it up to upper management and they like they looked at me like i was crazy but then at the same time it was just like i probably look like i'm crazy <laughs> 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 um, I'm up here just being cuckoo for cuckoo puffs. <laughs> so I ended up getting fired. And then from there, I was just like spiraling, just continuing to use. Uh, and this is when me and B had actually started working like on being serious about a relationship. Because we started um, and started dating in May of 2018. So I got fired from paypal in march of 2018 because i've only there a few months i started at like the end of 2017 and i got fired in 2018 but i'm already so far gone in my addiction and this is before she's even begin to experience hers mm-hmm. and it's kind of like me looking back in hindsight and knowing like the person I am isn't the person I was back then. And the person, the version of myself on drugs and being strung out and not sober is completely different than the sober version of myself. Of course. And the fact that she was able to fall in love with me when I was not sober and I was not a nice person and I was not an honest and truthful person. Cause I, I hid it from her for a while, even when she had first started experimenting because it wasn't through me it was through her own friends and mm-hmm. she started to fall into it I still didn't come clean I was lying about it right so for a really long time she didn't know that I was using and then when I like when she seen me do it for the first time she thought was like thinking it she's the one who started me on drugs and gotcha. not realizing the whole time pretty much I, I was already on them well before yeah. she moved in but it was just like I felt like 
I had to make sure she stayed sober because if she stayed sober, then it was easier for me to want to stay sober. And I got really controlling. You are your surroundings. Yeah. And it was just like, we're already in a shitty environment. Like, I didn't have anything. She didn't have anything. But it was like, she was just the only person I wanted to be around. Like, I could sit in the room for an entire week and do nothing. I wouldn't leave. But just being around her was just like my saving grace. Right. So when we ended up getting kicked out of there, and I was staying with my brother for a while and she couldn't stay there. Like when she was on the streets, she really started to spiral with her own addiction. And we kind of like, that's when we kind of just like broke up because I was like, I'm, I, I can't, I can't let how I'm feeling and what we're going through control my life. Like it was really bad. Like we were really, really bad. <coughs> and so like she, was having her own issues with like probation and stuff, um, getting in trouble for probation violations because not checking in because she was on the streets. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I went from staying with my brother and his girl, like my niece and nephew, like the kids you've seen, um, mm-hmm. to staying with a friend out in Alatuki. So I moved out there the beginning of 2019 I moved out there like January 12th or some shit 2019 and that whole time it was just like B and I it was like we weren't together but we were still together like I was living out in Alatuki but I would always come out to Phoenix they either had school or I had trans support meetings or I had like something to keep myself busy because I had just started getting clean I had just found out I was HIV positive and I was trying to like get back in this relationship but then also try and like move on and like get back on my own feet because one thing I will say is like when I'm when I am the only thing I have to focus on like when I am my only priority I'm good like I can be as productive as I I do or don't want to be I can be as successful as I do or don't want to be like I don't have to worry about it because it doesn't impact anybody else right (laughs) right the hard part about that is just like when I want to get focused and like I want to shut everything out I can but it was hard because I'm like I really love this person like I'd really opened up to this person and I I, like I said I've never gone through a lot of things that I have until being with her like the biggest part is like a, a struggle with addiction and then getting clean and so with her being in and out of jail Mm-hmm. And this whole year, I'm like living with friends, working a shitty job, trying to get on my feet. Like all I could think about is just making sure she was okay. Right. So the whole time she was in jail, I was fucking working to keep my bank account in the negative. Like I, right. I was legit working. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. I was working to make sure how I can keep my account overdrawn by six hundred dollars every single month, every single two weeks, because. 
I had to pay for where I was living. I had to get my own food. I had to like pay my, my bills, but then I also had to put money on her books to make sure she can buy stuff. Uh-huh. And then I'll put money on the fucking phone so we could talk because I was the only person she had to talk to. So the thing with Navy Federal is like they have that overdraft protection and they let you go to a certain amount. So I, I knew when my check would hit, I knew what I can do as like a transaction with my debit card that's going to post immediately versus doing it as like uh, auto draft with my checking account information. So it's going to take a couple of days to post. So it looked like I still got the funds there and mm-hmm. I, I would, like I would make sure I can max out that $600 being negative every two weeks just to make sure I can get to and from work. My phone bill was paid. I had what I needed and I could still give her money just to make sure she was taken care of. Because like I said, I, I didn't want her to ever feel like there wasn't anybody in her corner. And I didn't want her to feel like nobody cared, nobody loved her. And I didn't want her to feel like the only way she can get something from somebody is to have to do something. Like right. she'd have to trade herself in some way, shape or fashion in order to get something. And I just want her to know, like, no matter what, like, if if I had it, you had it. Like, it's not obligated. Yeah. And... We That's went nice. through like a lot and then we got pretty much to where we are now. Like I moved from my friends out in Alatuki to the house I'm in now. And I it's, I moved here July of 2019. And the, the job I was working was the job I was telling you about how I got into it with the lady in HR and she had outed me and I, I like that that was that job at Icor I was working and it was a shitty job and I, I was doing it like I was barely paying my bills here like I used to get into fights with my fucking roommates because I was owing on something I was either not paying all my portion of the rent or not paying all my portion of some bill because I was like I need to make sure she has money I need to make sure that we can talk because I'm more worried about what she would do to herself if she's left alone mm-hmm. than having to pay somebody back because I was late or I don't care. I was like, I'll tell the property management company that everybody else pays a portion of rent. Mine's going to be late. So I'm paying my portion of rent plus all the late fees. I know it's racking up. So don't bug them. Right. And I, right. But I, at the end of the day, nobody was like, in my shoes going through my struggle nobody was nobody else was there making sure she was taken care of like her family wasn't even there not because they didn't want to be but just financially nobody could be mm-hmm. so I did what I had to do and it was just like now I feel like a lot of the problems that we have in our relationship is just because just lingering wounds are still in the process of healing that makes sense and there are just like some trigger things, like old patterns that like just pop up out of nowhere on both sides that make me feel like uh, we just going back to old ways. But then I realize like how far we've come because like I said, I went from being negative all the time in my account to like, I, I told you I got fired from working at iCore for Verizon to mm-hmm. find out I had a job for Bank of America a week later. And I've been with them a year and change now. And we've been in this um, house 
a little bit over two years. So that's good. Yeah, to it, be in a place it's been a lot and here and cleaning sober for. I keep a calendar on my phone. I've been my sober time. I've been sober one year, two months, 14 days, and 20 hours. Congratulations. It's It's been a struggle, and it definitely has taken time. And I know if I would have made different decisions, gone down different paths in my mm-hmm. life, I transitioned then, I could have gotten here faster. I could have gotten here easier. I could have gotten here with less effort on my part. <laughs> It, it wouldn't have been as genuine and I've always been that kind of person like I don't want anyone to feel like they have authority or like dominion over me and I think that's one reason why I struggle with commitment because I feel like if I'm committed to somebody if I get married to somebody I can't leave unless they let me go like I can't up and do what I want to do unless I get their permission or I can't up and feel like I have my freedom unless they agree to it and I don't want to feel like I'm like like trapped like that and now I'm just like, I say that, but then she's the only person I want to be around. Okay. She's literally more than my best friend. And it's just because. That's big. Like, and that's hard to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't been this close with anybody. I haven't gone through these types of struggles in a relationship with anybody. And you guys have I a foundation. I, exactly and I, there are times where I feel like because we've gone through so much like on both sides like she her sisters recently her sister recently passed away it's barely been a year Oof. that was a struggle for us and it's just like I I don't know if it's times like I'm trying to convince myself like oh we're together because it's like trauma bonding but then at the same time it's just like I I genuinely can't picture myself with anybody else because I've not necessarily gone through so much with her, but just like, I know that I can go through so much with her. Like, cause we've already gone through so much and I don't want t- to start over. Right. That's, that's how, like where I'm at in my life. It's like, I don't want to, yeah. I know, you but then know also at the same time, I still want to feel like I have freedom. So I'm trying to see if, I like give a little bit, then I get a little bit. So now we're talking about like if I actually agree to get married, I have a girlfriend. You're not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> no, and it, it, it is. And it's just like, because we've talked about stuff like that before. And it her biggest thing is not feeling like somebody else is coming in and taking me away or like replacing her. Uh-huh. So even if I had the freedom to do whatever I want to mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm still coming back to her. Even if we took a break for a period of time and like later on in her transition, she got to experience more as her authentic self that no matter what, at the end of the day, we still at some point, no matter how long we're going to come back to each other. So that's her logic behind that. But So you and her are home for each other. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. Wow. Well, that was a journey. A journey. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You, wow. I haven't had to ask anything. 
that was that was that was a journey and i appreciate you taking me along with you with that there gosh there's so much that you educated me on and even just knowing how now to understand how to um, approach others and share i've always said it's better to talk to someone who walks that life versus coming from a third party you know mm-hmm. oh yeah my friend it's like i it i'm not gonna be able to explain it like yeah. you know what i mean like it's like it's not good coming from my mouth because i might misinterpret something you're gonna take it the wrong way and then you're gonna have your opinion on them or whoever and it's just better coming from the person and their mouth and i'm just glad to have someone like you to be able to share that with me I am so grateful. Like happy to do so, and this is why I say, like, I feel like I, I feel like we're just going to accomplish so much good with this authentic self because we have so much to talk about, and with these topics, like, we have so much to explore because just my professional community, like, when everything else that could ever be a barrier has has no factor, I feel like I fall short because. I don't know. I don't I don't want to feel like I'm a poster kid. I don't want to feel like I'm somebody's little milk carton baby or something like uh-huh. that. Like I ain't fall down a well or nothing. Don't make a yeah. story about me. But it's it's different to have someone look me in my face and be like every obstacle that you faced up until this point does not matter. It only matters how you perform. It's like, and I, that's li- literally what my job does for me. Like, I, it, it's not about the struggles that I've gone through as a person. It's how I perform because it's even if sense. I'm dealing with those struggles, there is groups and organiz- organizations and resources available to me that my job gives just to make sure I am my, my best self, like spiritually, mentally, emotionally, in order to be my best self at work. And I um, actually have a thing coming up for our LGBT uh, initiative that we're doing. And I'm gonna be on a speaking panel. And I was actually talking to them about um, our authentic self. And I was telling them about how we're doing this podcast. And it's just like, I'm, I'm about the good it's gonna accomplish. So I'm, I'm putting this out there. Do it. Some waters. Yeah. Have like a little hashtag B of A in the corner. Just yeah. Know. You know, I didn't even know that they. What you're just saying right now about just the um really about the well being overall. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's and amazing. They do, like they do to the point where, like one of their biggest focuses, like especially on um, the LGBT initiative with Bank of America, is making sure everyone is. Like not only feeling included, but actively being represented. And it's like from employees to uh, our customers, like mm-hmm. if a person like, and one of the cool things is like, they're so past focusing on making sure the trans employees feel like equal and feel uh, seen. They're worried about the non-binary employees right now. Like that's their focus. And I was like, 
That's crazy. Like, I like that. Like, I feel like most companies are just now starting to really open up about the trans idea that Bank of America is already worried about non-binary employees to the point where if that was how I, me as a person, for example, if that was how I identified, I could have two freaking work badges for however I'm feeling for either day. If I identify more masculine one day, if I identify more feminine one day, I could have an ID that represents that. Wow. I can use, even if it, and like the, even if it changes daily, I can use whatever bathroom that represents my identity at that time. Like there is a zero dress code policy as long like the only thing requirements is it fits and if it's in like the work professional and um, like work casual guidelines. So it's like it it gives a person so much freedom in a safe space to like want to explore and it's I feel like that's something that you should have that it being in a workspace and it being like the focal point for adults people who are later on in life like that's amazing because I've met people who didn't start living their truth and going through their process until like they were in their late 50s and 60s all that dwelling on thinking Mm -hmm. that's a that is so amazing (laughs) it's uh that's nice of you to say (laughs) alexa okay (laughs) well okay okay well i'm glad you got an opinion Listening in on everything. Oh my god, that caught that. So we were both waiting crazy. We, I got that. <laughs> oh my god, there. Oh, what was I gonna say? There was before she entered. There was something I was gonna say. Um, it's funny because you know what I called this the title of our um, our your biography basically it was called Life's Transitions, and it actually is perfect. <laughs> That is. <laughs> because you have shared every transition from childhood, the father, your mom, your your family, your siblings. It you really all the transitions oh, you went through, mm-hmm. um, just um, amazing, breathtaking, and just man, like you gave me a full on story. And thank you because uh, I can. I'm I'm so glad and and grateful to know you. All right. I'm glad able to share my story. Happy to do so. You pretty much have said everything, but just this one question: What would you like to say to like the adolescents? You know, because it really begins there when we're kids. You know, and just becoming your true self. What would you encourage? Because whether or not, when it comes to the raising a family split, um when you've been offered, you know, addiction and it, it comes in, what would you say to encourage just our adolescents today? Honestly, I would say if you, if you know that it's something that is your truth, then don't be afraid to voice it until you find somebody who supports you because the first person you tell, they may not be in your corner. The fifth person you tell may tell you you're making a mistake. The 20th person you tell may tell you going to hell. But don't stop because there's going to be that one person who tells you that you are supported in more ways than you know. 
and who will be there for you in every way, shape, and form, and in every sense of the word. Like, you don't have to be there physically or financially in order to be there to support and uplift somebody. So just find somebody who hears you and sees you for you. I love that. That's honestly, that's where it starts. Like, it it starts with being able to be seen. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you need to be able to feel like you're seen because com- from that comes validation and not even validation from another person, but like your your own self-validation. Like it feels good to know that someone sees you for you because they see you how you see yourself. And that's just validating. And that's such a great feeling. You see yourself as one thing and, and it's so important to see yourself first. And then when others recognize it, that light, that you discover and it just, and it touches them and they see it and they can call it out. Yeah, and that's one reason, like, honestly, that's one reason why I love my niece and my nephew so much is because like every, every moment of every second with them is nothing but validation. Like it, they, even if it's 10, 20 years from now, if somebody told them it, it wouldn't even register because from, right. the day that they were, from the day that they were born, they only know that they had a DMRE. Right. That's, that's literally the only, the only right. thing their world has ever known. So for somebody to try and tell them anything of it, uh-huh. it's, not gonna, it's not even going to make sense to them. Mm-hmm. That, I love that. That, you know, uh, that's beautiful. That is definitely going to be that validation and just something mm-hmm. to just smile upon probably, every time. After looking for me right now, I heard him coming to the house. <laughs> and I, they run back here into the office. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Amari, for just being here with us. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, I'm always happy to be here and talk and share my story. I love you, and I will talk to you later. All right, well, have a wonderful night. And that completes today's Talk About It Tuesday episode on Not Just Cafe. Thank you so much for listening and see you next Tuesday for the next TBIT episode. And remember, when you run into a mental wall of personal perspective, talk about it.